Welcome. My name is uh, Phil Nelson. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're visiting, we just, uh, we're thrilled to have you. We're absolutely thrilled that you're here. And we understand this may not be your style. This may not be uh, what you expected. But you are loved and God is crazy about you. We set up a, a quite intense message series starting last Sunday. If you weren't here and you haven't been able to watch it on YouTube, our channel there, or listen to it online through our website, SoundCloud, uh, and our phone app, I really want to encourage you. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm imploring you to listen to that because I'm not going to be able to build the platform and, and the foundation of the series like I did last Sunday, today. I'm going to catch you up just a little bit, but I'm just going to be honest. If you haven't been caught up from last Sunday, some of this may come out of left field for you, and it may be very difficult for you to understand where I'm coming from. And so you just need to know that this, number one, is not a message of condemnation at all. If you hear condemnation, you're hearing the voice of the enemy, not God. Okay? And so this is a message particularly to the church, those who call themselves followers of Jesus. This is a wake-up call, or what we call a clarion call. This is a loud call to those who are listening to wake up. We're living in a day where God is calling the church to rise up and respond, but the way we, we respond is pivotal. The way we respond is absolutely pivotal because the last 100 to 200 years, the church as a whole has not been doing the greatest job in responding in the way that Christ calls us to respond. Now, there have been some incredible movements of God, don't get me wrong, incredible bodies of Christ doing it Christ's way. But if you're like me, I grew up in a church that was just kind of good intentions, but very much man-made. And a lot of what I learned was not the truth of God. And so I was kind of walking like I was a Christian, going through the motions, but I had missed it because I was doing it man's way, not God's way. And so I just want to give a little bit of foundation as we address a major current issue that has been going on for thousands of years all the way back to when Solomon built the temple where they worshipped God and where the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament, the presence of God was not available to us in human form like God created it to be because sin separated us. So until Jesus came to make a way for us to be with God and God with us, they had a most holy place in the temple where God's presence resided. And the most high priest would then go once a year into the presence of God to make an atonement or a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. So that's what I'm kind of talking about here And what happened is right outside the Holy of Holies there in Solomon's temple, you just walk a little bit a little bit farther away from the Holy of Holies, and there's a valley, and it's called the Valley of Ben Hinnon. The Valley of Ben Hinnon. And you can find this in Jeremiah 19, by the way, if you would like to research it yourself. And this is where, right outside the Holy of Holies, this is where they sacrificed and made their offerings of worship. Say worship. worship. Okay, because that's pivotal here. Okay? Their sacrifices of worship to two main false gods, the god of Baal and the god of Molech, which was the god of sex. They didn't have a sex problem. We don't have a sex problem in today's culture. What? Yeah, I mean that. We have a worship problem, and we'll get to that in a moment. But they were worshiping the God of sex, so much so 
that they would lay everything on the altar, including their babies. By the way, I'm going to stop there. Many of you already know the warning's coming, but if you weren't here last Sunday, please, this is not G-rated. If you have not had the abortion talk, or talked about murder, or talked about killing with your kids, this is the time to take them back to E-Kids. Okay? Because E-Kids is spiritually alive over there. Not back there. Over there. They're having the same kind of spiritual experience we are, but it's just customized for their little innocent minds. Okay? But guess what, parents? You have a job to do. You need to teach your children what's going on and what God's Word says. Okay? Backing up. So, what they would do then during the times of worship where they're laying the babies on the altar is they would have a worship concert. They themselves, brace yourself. I know some of you were uh, taken back, but just brace yourself, okay? They had drums and they had tambourines of worship and you would hear from afar and if you got closer and closer to the most holy place in the temple, but all over the city, you could hear... And just think even louder, tons of drums. And what were they doing? Yes, they were worshiping the God of Molech and the God of Baal, but it, was, it took on a whole new purpose. It drowned out the cries of the babies that were placed on the altar of fire. So much so that this valley of Ben-Hinnon became known to the locals as the Valley of Topeth. Which in Hebrew, it means the valley of the drum. And in Jeremiah 19, God speaks to Israel. And he says, no longer do I call it the valley of the drum, but the valley of slaughter. It was murder. And here today in our society, nothing has changed. The drumbeat sounds just a little different. We don't have necessarily a location called the Valley of the Drum where people worship to false gods and lay their babies on the altar, but we have something called choice. We have something that has been made legal, which says it's right to murder babies. Now, if you're experiencing anger towards me and you're saying this is not right, I agree with you, it's not right. This isn't right. And our country, our country is going to be responsible for this. But God, in all of his grace and mercy, shows reckless love to you and I. And if any of you have experienced the dynamics and, 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 and the lifestyle that comes from abortion, of supporting this, getting caught up in that, maybe you're, you know, last week I said about men, you know, where's the men in all this? Some of you may be experienced that you didn't know. And you actually wanted to be a part of that child's life. This is all messy, everybody. And this is not about pointing out wrong. We don't have an abortion problem. We have a worship problem. We don't have a government problem. We have a worship problem. You see, when we get away from worshiping the one true God who is alone worthy to be praised and no one else, first commandment, thou shalt not have no other gods before me. When we get away from them, when we get away from that worship, we get away from everything that is right and pure and good. 
And that's why we see what we see. We have a worship problem. And so church, the answer to all of this is we need to begin to worship God for who he is. We need to lay down the sins of our individual selves, us as a corporate church, and us as a corporate nation. We need to start confessing our sin before God. And we need to get back to the heart of worship, y'all. Can you imagine if 250 people right here began to live a life that worshiped God and God alone? You would change. You would change Cincinnati. And so what is the drum? What is the drum that is drowning out to make all of this okay? You name it for yourself. Entertainment, media. Hello. Your work. Apathy. Some of you just don't want to hear about it because you don't want to be confronted with the responsibility to do something. And so I just, I I want to clarify real quick the foundation in which we started this series. Number one, the foundation in addressing this issue. It is paramount when you address this issue. Not just a Facebook post to get a reaction. Okay? The sovereignty of God. God is sovereign no matter what happens. We need to understand that he is sovereign. He is in control. He will always be. He never changes. And he is faithful. That's the sovereign God we serve. The word of God. The word is sharp and active if we allow the word of God to come alive. Breaking free conference, y'all, was all about aligning yourself with truth that comes from God's word and then identifying the lies that we have believed for so long. We need to line up our issue. I I don't care what the politicians say. I don't care what we read in our textbooks. I I don't care unless it lines up with God's word because God's word has the final say. No, he loves us. And God's word is all about his love for us. Being a Christian means that you hinge your faith on the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's good news. That's love. That's not condemnation. That's not judgment. That is overwhelming, shocking kindness and love. And so we, 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 we have to build this argument or build this platform on the presence of God, the Holy Spirit that lives in every believer who calls Jesus Lord. By the way, remember in Old Testament times, this all happened right outside the Holy of Holies. Do me a favor, point to where the Holy of Holies is now. Anyone who has received the salvation of Jesus and has allowed him to be Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit takes residence in your life. You become the Holy of Holies, y'all. This is incredible. Churches don't teach that today. And yet you walk right outside the Holy of Holies and what's happening? We have a worship problem. We're worshiping the wrong things. And what you see is what you get. And then finally, the ways of Christ. If we are going to respond and we are going to react to what's going on around us, okay? If we're going to respond and we're going to react, it must be grounded in these five, these four things, but especially the ways of Christ. And last week I took you through an example of the adulterous woman of how Jesus handled it. We are not to go and fight this battle, kicking and screaming and casting stones and judging and casting condemnation. That is not what we see in Christ. Christ never took on the form of condemnation. The only one he condemned were the religious leaders who were supposed to know the truth and set themselves free and then be the hope 
for the nation of Israel to draw back to God. And they were blind shepherds and guides. And that's why God, Jesus, went after them with a vengeance. But anyone else caught in sin, he ran after them. He lived with them. He partied with them. He loved them. And we are to do the same. And so before we get into today of a call to prayer, last week was a call to wake up. Today is a call of prayer. Notice we didn't say a call to respond and go out and address this issue. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to pray and seek the kingdom of God first. Then we move. It's kind of like that ready, aim, shoot. Ready is God, you've got my attention. Aim is I am going to seek your face. And shoot is I'm going to react and be obedient. How does the church of today handle it? It's ready, shoot, oh, and then we aim. And we wonder why we're shooting and destroying and harming and damaging sheep while we're trying to do the work in Jesus' name. So before we get into a call respond, and I'm going to invite one of my dearest friends up to uh, share his heart with you in just a moment, I just want to clarify where we are as a nation in our worship problem. In the last 45 years, over 60 million babies have been aborted. And now we're in a crazy place where you're going to hear in a moment of what we call okay, what we call legal, and God calls slaughter. And so to try to change the tone for just a minute, uh, I've asked my dear brother, Steve Stevenson, he is the Director of Development for Life Forward, which is the Pregnancy Care Center in all of Cincinnati. And this man and I, you probably didn't know this, but in 2006, uh, Lauren and I left a very difficult place in our lives, and we had, we had no other option but to come to Cincinnati, and I'm so glad we did, because that was God divine. And we, li- we lived with my in-laws, bless their stinking hearts, for eight very, very short months. Oh, it was so good, though. It was so good. We got to learn how to uh, be loved and to receive from those who love us the most. And we learned so much and we're closer because of that. But that's not the message. 2006, we came. I had to find a job. And uh, I was called to ministry, but the Lord had shut that door. And so I found a job. Actually, my mother-in-law found me a job and, um, with the Boy Scouts of America. And I was an executive, and God blessed my life by working with this young gentleman, uh, Steve Stevenson. And now he's doing ministry. I'm doing ministry. We're doing ministry for the Lord. And uh, he is making a life impact to eliminate this worship problem. And so I want, to give, I want you as ECC family, I want you to give... Steve Stevenson, the biggest welcome you can. Steve Stevenson. Love you, bro. Come have a seat here. I'll go over here, brother. Could you just kind of share with us what it is you do? Yeah, so um, we're a pregnancy medical clinic or a pregnancy resource center. And so what we do is um, we attract women to our organization. Our services are no charge, and we invite them in. And uh, they're coming because for them, they think they may be pregnant, and for them, that's a concern. It might be a relational concern or educational concern. It might be a spiritual concern. It might be financial concern. Whatever the reason for their concern, we invite them in. And our very real um, endeavor, while they're spending time with us, while we're, we're trying to meet their needs, is to be able to share the gospel message with them, the truth about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and his care and regard for them. 
That's awesome. Um, let's just get right into it. We're just going to get into the details. And I've asked Steve with his expertise um, to just kind of bring the reality to our front doors. And then we're just going to end this time with how do we respond in prayer? What does this look like for us as a body and you as individuals? So Steve, could you just even share many of many, many people here have seen in the news the last couple months, just what's going on in New York. Right. Um, but even before we do that, can you just share with us just briefly, um, before the New York law passed, what was the abortion policy? And like, as far as how far could the mother hold the child before, in, in her womb before right. her abortion happened? Well, you know, the, the legality of abortion has been the law of our land uh, since in the 1973, the famous Roe v. Wade decision. Um, and since then, abortion on will or at demand has been legal. And so what that means is each of the 50 states are allowed to kind of set their own rules uh, that have to pass muster eventually with the Supreme Court about how they're going to handle things in, in the, their particular state. You may be surprised uh, that in the state of North Dakota, you cannot have an abortion after six weeks. Okay, that's the rule there. Um, the state of New York recently changed its rules uh, to where you can have an abortion up to the moment before the baby is born. And so this dramatic uh, change here, uh, for maybe for hopefully uh, for people, we can see you know, in 1973, people um, who were advocating for abortion rights were saying, hey, you know, abortion, you know, this is important for women's rights. We need to make it safe and legal and rare. Well, by no means is abortion a safe thing for the, the child involved, right? Uh, it is, of course, growing in legal, legal, uh, legalness. Um, thank you. Um, but uh, it's also uh, decimating, uh, lowering in rarity, Right. Um, if you can think back to 9-11, do you, I mean, if you, were, do you, do you remember, show me your hands if you remember 9-11, okay? And, show me, and, and uh, show me your hands if you felt you were impacted by the loss of life that day in 9-11, right? It's very impactful, very touching, you know, very, probably thought about it every day for quite some time. Well, in America today, we have a 9-11 every day. We lose more babies every day, 365 days a year, than we do the lives that were lost at 9-11. This is hard. It is. I'm going to remind us, okay? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation here. We just need to, we need to be aware of what's going on around us, okay? We need to be aware of the valley of the drum. We just, awareness is everything, okay? Um, what is happening in Virginia, brother? Sure. The, um, basically, what's going on in our nation is, um, you know, a lot of people think about the life issue politically. Um, I think, you know, it's, Pastor Phil's made it pretty clear, this is not about politics, right? This is a worship issue uh, that we're experiencing. Um, and I think um, it could be a pitfall for believers to kind of primarily look at this in a political way. But that being said, it's still important to understand and know about those things, right? It's still important to have a sense of clarity about what's happening in the land we're living in. And in Virginia... Um, they are uh, just trying to pass a similar law that would allow um, an abortion up, up to the same uh, time, similar time, uh, just for uh, the babies born. Uh, and so our, um, uh, the people who are, think that abortion is a good thing, um, they, are, they realize, they recognize that there might be a challenge with them in the Supreme Court according who, to the justices are today. And so they're trying to get their ducks in a row. They're trying to get the states to have the most abortion-minded laws that they could have uh, so that if Roe v. Wade is ever overturned, um, what's going to happen there, that doesn't end abortion in America. That just puts every decision back into the state's hands is what it does. Mm -hmm. um, every decision. So state A may ban abortion. State B may say it's okay to have an abortion. Um, and so that's where the fight, you know, would turn into 50 different little fights. Um, and so they're trying to get their ducks in a row so yeah. that they can have the most abortion-minded laws. Hmm. Um, Many were aware, and many may not be aware, of the Senate uh, gathered this last Monday mm -hmm. about uh, it was a bill that would protect 
a baby harmed, right? Mm-hmm. Harmed after the delivery of birth. That's right. Is that correct? Yeah, there are babies that survive abortion. There are people walking around today. Um, there's a woman named Melissa Odin. She has a ministry. You can Google her, Melissa Odin, and you can uh, hear about her story about how her mom uh, and the doctors attempted an abortion, but she survived that abortion. Uh, and so um, in our United States uh, Congress and the Senate, they're trying to get a vote out of committee. It did not get voted to get out of committee that would say that if there is a baby that survived an abortion or, or you know, once a baby is born, um, that you, you can't, you know, therefore end the baby's life. You can't kill it after. Can't kill it after it's born, right? And it did not pass. It did not pass on Monday, so that means that there is no protection at this point um, against that. That's correct. Um, can you just share some stories for us? Uh, maybe some uplifting stories, <laughs> but can you just share a little bit of what you've seen at your organization, Life Forward in Cincinnati? Sure, be glad to. Well, you know, um, when we're in a crisis, what kind of goes through mind? We're afraid, right? You've been in a crisis before. You're afraid. You're concerned. You're not really thinking straight, and you're just trying to make the problem go away, right? And so if I were to say to you, hey, don't worry. If you give me $550, and you're going to have, you know, like a little visit to a doctor's office, and then a minor surgery, and then your problem's going to go away, that'd be pretty tempting, right? You'd be, wow, yeah, yeah, where, where can I find $550 to make this huge problem go away? Um, and so there, there's a very real draw uh, for women to experience that. And I think what we don't realize when we're in a crisis, we don't always realize the truth, do we? And in the Bible, uh, children are always talked about as a blessing. And any of you who are parents and have kids, you just couldn't imagine your life without those children, right? They're just such a joy to you. Um, I hear grandchildren even better, uh, Phil. Maybe we'll find out someday. Um, But, uh, you know, they're just such a joy. And so we see um, women all the time uh, come in. We had a woman come in this week, and she um, was down at the abortion clinic, and she was getting ready to walk in, and there was a, a person on the sidewalk who was praying and uh, talk to her and encourage her to come up. We're down the street from a Planned Parenthood facility. Invite her to come up the street and uh, brought her to our facility. You know, we welcomed her in and uh, talked to her about, um, you know, hey, listen, what, you know, what are your concerns? And, and whatever their concerns are, we want to try to help them with that. Oh, I'm concerned. I don't know if I'll be able to afford diapers or formula or, you know, my boyfriend's going to leave me, you know. So we're kind of talking to them about, hey, how can we support you to get those diapers and formula? And, hey, let's talk about healthy relationships. You know, if someone's threatening to leave you because you're going to have their baby, maybe that's not the healthiest relationship in the world to be in. So we had a, a woman uh, who had, uh, was experiencing that. She came in on Monday and brought her baby in. And she said, I just can't believe what a joy this baby is to me. And I just want the baby to meet you all and to hear your voices uh, here. I just want to say thank you. And so stories are happening like that all the time. Women, wow. uh, w- these women who are experiencing these unplanned pregnancies and are, are um, really you know, uh, experiencing difficult times, they're the real heroes of the story, right? Um, they're the ones who have to, to deal, make the difficult life decisions. And, and we just want to be people who support them. Uh, Steve, one thing when we were meeting a couple weeks ago, you had said that, you said something about, I'm, I'm just going to put you on the spot if you're okay with that. Sure. Two things. Number one, <laughs> number one, the women and, and even the men going through this horrible decision, mm-hmm. this difficult mm-hmm. crisis, mm-hmm. the biggest thing that they're experiencing is they're alone. Mm, that's right. They're lonely. Can you just expound on that a little bit? Sure. Um, 85% of the women who have abortions are, are unmarried, uh, so they don't have um, someone in their life. And a lot of times, um, when you're thinking about a big crisis and a big problem, and then you add your alone on top of that, you know, that could be um, even more challenging. And so we see a lot of times where um, there are women who have just kind of blown through their relationships. You know, they don't have strong family ties. You know, um, we, I had a client uh, sharing with us about how you know, she's in and out of a relationship with her mom, and they're arguing, and, and they're, um, uh, they're just really not close. And she doesn't have a, a dad role in her life, and her father of her baby is really her friend. Um, and so uh, she doesn't really have, you know, other friendships uh, in her life that will help support her. 
Um, and so there's just this real sense of isolation. Uh, you know, hey, I can't do this on my own. Uh, I don't feel like I can do this. Uh, I, you know, I just can't make this happen. Um, and so th- that's a very real need. It's just that sense of loneliness, that sense of isolation. Uh, and that's something the enemy of the devil uh, wants to convince people too. The enemy wants to tell us we're alone. You know, we're unloved. We don't know what this idea of a father in heaven who's going to take care of you, that's just, that's just uh, um, the enemy wants to convince us that's not true. Uh, and wow. we want to help women see that that is the truth. Steve, I'm just shooting this out here. What, do you see any benefit? Do you see that there could actually be a tangible change in what we're seeing around this city if people began to develop relationships somehow, some way, with these young men and women who feel alone, and we just somehow figure out a way to let them know that they truly are loved and they have a place, a safe place? Would that change anything? You know, I, I personally believe, uh, Phil, that um, the number one way that's going to end abortion in our community is not by changing the law. I personally believe Amen. the number one way that's going to end it is by uh, fulfilling the Great Commission for going out and making disciples, uh, for finding people who don't know Jesus, having people in my life who don't know Jesus. Maybe it's neighbors, you know, whomever. Um, and sharing the gospel with them. Uh, the gospel is a thing, uh, you know, transitioning someone into a worshiper of God. That's what's going to change abortion in our land. Oh, so a worship problem. That's it. That's uh, it, Phil. Okay. Okay. Um, this, one, this one here has really stirred me. I'm going to yeah. be honest. Mm-hmm. But, Steve, I want you to explain to all of us how abortion is a form of racism. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this, con- this conclusion statement, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back that up uh, with facts. But abortion is systemic racism, okay? Abortion is systemic racism. In our state of Ohio, uh, African Americans represent about 14% of the population. Uh, so you would expect um, that, you know, percentage of populations, they'd be about 14% of the abortions, but the reality is their number is over three times that. It's 43% of the abortions. In fact, if you um, take all of the lynchings uh, that have happened in our country and you multiply that number by two, there are more African Americans aborted each day than from all the, the lynchings and murders that ever happened. In fact, uh, when you ask yourself this question, what is the number one cause of death of African Americans? Is it heart disease? Is it cancer? Is it accidents? Is it uh, violence or murder? Is it a drug overdose? Well, if you take all of the ways that African Americans die, all the causes of death, and you add them up, it's less than the number of babies who are aborted each year, African-American babies who are aborted each year. The most unsafe place for an African-American is in their mother's womb. And we have to understand that that is not a condemnation statement, uh, as as Phil's talked about here. We have a systematic problem. Organizations like Planned Parenthood were founded by racists, eugenicists, people who wanted to purify the population. and the reason, of course, why racism is wrong is because we're all made in the image of God. Amen. We are image bearers. It's the same reason murder's wrong. Um, it's the same. Uh, it's, it's just. It's the same reason, right? Um, and so we want uh, to be able to help people see the truth of the gospel, uh, and we need to ask ourselves. Um, we. It, this is not an easy answer, but what's true about our system in America? What's true in our community? that allows uh, this, this depravity, that allows just this disproportional loss of life amongst the African-American community? Um, you know, as I was studying this and researching this and couldn't shake the message that the Lord put on my heart to present as a call to our body, uh, one thing I had heard, and I just want you, as you're sitting up here, um, as an expert in this, um, I know you. I know you don't call yourself right, an expert, right. but you just live this mm-hmm. day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to make sure I'm accurate here. Mm-hmm. I just want to show you 
the double standard in our world. Okay? Double standard going all the way back to the Valley of Ben-Hinnon. You have the Holy of Holies worshiping God and God alone, and you have a double standard that right down the hill we're sacrificing our children and babies to the God of sex. This is a huge double standard. Okay? Let's just say there is a young woman who is alone. She's struggling. Mm -hmm. She has no resources to know what's right, what's wrong. Uh, Everyone has kind of abandoned her in her life. And she, in her mind, she cannot fathom taking the responsibility and taking care of a child. And so she is on her way to the nearest abortion clinic. And she is about two blocks from the clinic. She's driving. And along comes Phil Nelson, who is texting and not paying attention. And I sideswipe her car. Mm. And I injure her arm, and I fracture her hip. And in doing so, she loses the baby. Mm-hmm. I personally could be held accountable mm-hmm. in court and put in jail for involuntary manslaughter. While this young girl was two blocks away, from getting rid of the baby legally. We have a double standard here, which stems to the issue. Guys, we have a worship problem. We have a worship problem. It's time for us to get back to worship. Is that... Am I off base? You're you're on it, Pastor Phil, and... and, um... I think as I've been listening, listening to your sermon last week and, and listening so far this morning, the number one response that I personally um, want to give yeah. is I want to pray. Mm-hmm. I want to pray. I want to seek God. I, I want to ask God. Um, I want to worship him, and I want to ask him um, to help to come in, heal our land, and God, use me however you'd want to do that. Steve, um, thank you. And what I'm going to do is I'll have you step down for a minute. But after our response worship, I'd like for you to come up and actually pray for us. Praise the Lord. Can we thank Steve Stevenson? Uh, Worship band, I'm going to be about eight to ten minutes. So um, feel free to get ready in a moment. Why are you laughing? And let's just be real here. And I know, I know you're all um, being funny and lighthearted with me, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, we're a family. But I want nothing more in this moment to be just the Holy Spirit speaking. And guys, if that means we all go get our kids from child care at 1130 and we continue to hear the word of God to the afternoon, I'm willing to be here. That's not going to happen. I'm just saying, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to us. I sure hope you don't hear me rambling, and I hope you don't hear Phil going on and on, because that's my time to step off the stage. And so, what do we do with all this? What do we do with all this? Look, we have a worship problem, so how do we change that? How do we start to identify what drums are drowning out these cries, these issues? And there's way more issues in our country than just abortion. We have a sex issue that leads to that issue. We have sexuality issues. We don't know who we are anymore. Come on. Action issues. We're running to the wrong things. We're looking for love, breaking free people in all the wrong places. These are drums that are just going off and drowning our society because it's just okay to be you. God never intended it that way. It's okay to be His. And so what we need to do, guys is we need to start individually and corporately start coming to the cross of Jesus. And we need to ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit 
to speak to us and show us what drums are drowning out the cross. This is where we change things. If you go out anywhere to try to go change this issue and you leave this, good luck. Because this is where it all changes. This is where it started and this is where it's going to end. And we need to be a church that is found at the cross. And it starts with prayer. Prayer is not a religious word. Prayer is being with Emmanuel. God with us. That's all it is. It's seeking God. It's pushing away distractions. It's worshiping God as saying, you are on the throne of my life. I am yours. I surrender everything. I want to be a devoted worshiper to you. The church in America has a devoted worshiping problem. Where are the devoted worshipers? That's what's going to change things. You know what I pray for Elevation Community Church? I pray that in 10 years, our worship here that goes out will drown out the worship to the false gods in our culture. Can our worship to the Father in how we live start to be louder than the drum that is covering up the worship problem? You see, I feel like we have this issue in prayer. About a year ago, I was driving down 28, and I was not paying attention too well. I was still focused on the road, but my mind was just going places. And I just found myself just drifting off to the right a little bit. Until I hit the rumble strips. You know, Jesus created the rumble strips. (laughs) And he said it was good. And I regained focus and regained control of the steering wheel. But in going over the rumble strips, my tires went over a bolt. And once I got to the Kroger parking lot, I realized that I steered off the path. And the consequences of me steering off in the path is I ran into contact of the garbage and the trash that was left around. And being the man that I am, I'm going to change my own tire. But what I didn't realize is that the van that I had at that moment had never had the spare tire removed. And so I thought I was not strong enough of getting the tire, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried. And so I had to call a tow truck. And for many of you men who are going to give me a hard time after the service, the tow truck guy couldn't get the tire off either. (laughs) He had to take his sledgehammer, and he had to break the device that was holding the tire to the car. And then I got my spare tire on the car. But you know what? Prayer is so much like that. Prayer is designed to be our steering wheel. Prayer is all about controlling our lives God's way. Of asking God, show me your heart. Show me your ways. Show me you, God. Fill me with your life. Keep me focused on you. But so often, prayer is not our steering wheel. It's our spare tire. (laughs) And so we allow our lives to just go serving God and worshiping God, yay God. And you know what? We drift away from the Holy of Holies and we get down into our false God, our idol worship, and all of a sudden, we realize something is wrong. We got away from what we're supposed to be worshiping. 
And so now prayer becomes a spare tire issue. How many of you in your life have been in a time where you're just like, you're non-existent in, in being with God and just seeking His heart until a crisis happens? And now it's, oh God, I need you, please show up, I'll do anything, I'll do anything, I will fast from my cell phone for a week. You know that's not going to happen. And then you see God during the crisis mode. But you see, when you use prayer as a spare tire, something really has to break. And it's usually you before you get to really giving yourself over to God. You see, prayer puts our priorities in perspective. Prayer puts our faith where our mouth is. Prayer aligns us with the things of God. Prayer slows us down. Prayer prevents us from a lot of mess that we wouldn't have to go through if we just had control of the steering wheel. When's the last time you've been in God's presence and just asked him to speak to you? We have a worship problem. And until we change that, nothing around us can change. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. And I want to give you just a few practicals of us as a church of what we're going to do about it. And guess what? You can join us or you don't have to join us. This is your decision. We would love for you to join us because I believe it's going to change your life and it's going to change the atmosphere of this church body. Not the building, of this church body. So number one, we're going to call our church starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow morning to a seven-day fast and prayer. We need to get this right. We need to start here. And all God is asking, He's not asking you, if you've never fasted before, just go seven days without any food. Guys, you're going to be passing out all over the place. Now, some of you are conditioned to do that. And if that's what God puts on your heart, you do that. But here's what fasting is. Would you put up that definition, please? Fasting is essentially giving up food or something else for a period of time in order to focus your thoughts on God. While fasting, many people read the Bible, they pray, or they worship. Fasting is found throughout the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. This is what fasting will do for you this week. Number one, fasting and prayer will help you hear from God. Fasting and prayer will help you discover Jesus. Fasting and prayer can reveal our hidden sin that is preventing the fullness of God's life to live through us. Fasting and prayer can strengthen your intimacy with God. Fasting and prayer can teach us to pray with right motives. Fasting and prayer will build your faith. And so now I want you to every person just to reach to the right in the chair flap in front of you and pull out the card that says a call to prayer and fasting. Please, everyone, every single person needs this little, not little, this thick bookmark. And I want you to take this with you. I want to ta- you to take this with you because we are going to resource you every single step of the way, every single day in this seven-day fast and prayer. Guys, if you just want to fast from your cell phones and TV at night and pray with your family and seek the Lord, do that. If you have a hobby or something that really just draws your attention and you look forward to every day, maybe you sacrifice fast from that time to pray. Do not fast from something and not pray. That's silly. If you're not going to pray and stop and focus on God, go to Holtman's for goodness sakes. I'm making light of that, okay? But between you and your spouse, or between just your heart and God, 
what are you going to do to slow down and ask the Lord to move in your life and in this problem we're facing? I promise you guys, He's going to rock your world if you let Him. The cross of Jesus changes every person who surrenders their life down at the front of the cross. And so every day on Facebook, have these daily daily bullet points on Facebook. If you don't have a Facebook page, maybe you have Instagram. Youth, we're going to share this on Instagram every day. If you have email and you want it there daily, make sure you're already getting emails from us every week. We send out a weekly update email. If, if you're not getting that from us, fill out a Connect card, which is in the flap in front of you, and turn it in the Connect card uh, drop box at the, at the Welcome Center. We want to keep you posted on these things and keep you in the loop. You cannot fast alone. You need accountability. And so these next seven days, the question is at the bottom, what will you lay down in order to pursue God with everything you have and show Jesus He is your everything? Decide what it is you're going to fast and when you're going to fast each day. Who will you share this with and check in with each day and encourage you? Have at least one person. Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? And what is it you desire to get out of this time of prayer? Small groups, we're challenging you all to do this together, to walk with this together. Pastor Daniel and I and the other staff members, we have church cards, I believe, on the other side of the welcome wall with our personal cell phone on there. If you need encouragement and guidance and you have questions, please call one of us or text one of us. And we'll get back to you within a 24-hour period. Guys, we have a worship problem. And today starts a new day where Elevation Community Church is going to begin to pursue God's heart. And we're going to respond in prayer and then we will react after God reveals his heart in prayer that's next week so I've asked the band to play this song many of you heard the older song from Matt Redman Heart of Worship this is the new version of that this is where we need to get right with the Lord and so whatever you need to do I just ask you not to stand unless you're guided by the Lord to stand you want to come front and just pray go ahead and do that if you just want to sit and just let them sing over you do that if you know the song and you express yourself to God by singing do that but don't do nothing engage with the living God who wants to hear from you and wants to be heard wants you to hear him shall I say Let's worship after this. Pastor, well, he is pastor. Steve Stevenson will come and pray with us, and then we will go.